Welcome to The Hive from Tejitosa Sustainable Travel, a podcast for meaningful travel stories. We invite guests who have traveled abroad for more than just leisure travel, be it internships, volunteering, or study abroad, either as solo travelers or as part of a group. We also talk to local communities who receive and host these travelers and measure their impact. This is a podcast chronicling sustainable travel. My name is Wesley Maraire, Business Development Executive at Territorial Sustainable Travel and your host of The Hive. Sustainability is a huge word and it is pregnant with meaning. Uh, It is dividing opinions within the travel industry. We cannot agree on just how to talk about it and neither can travel consumers, the travelers themselves. Often when you hear someone talking about sustainability, they're very condescending uh, and the tone is quite one of shaming. Oh my God, you flew across the world. And so today I brought Chris on an award-winning podcaster, blogger, and tourism marketing consultant. He's been in the technology space since the 80s and has made an impact at IBM, Apple, HP, and TripAdvisor. Chris, you are here to share your insights over many years of traveling yourself, talking to travelers, friends, family, as well as guests that have come on your podcast. I am very honored for you to come on today and discussing this divisive subject. Thank you very much, Chris. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So it's not always easy to define sustainability in any sense. I mean, the UN has 17 (laughs) SDGs and of those 17 SDGs, there are over 200 sub goals. And it is difficult to find somebody who can call themselves an expert when it comes to SDGs uh, and the word sustainability itself. It means different things to different people. And it seems as if it is highly contextual. And so today we want to discuss some of the best practices and the ways in which we can begin to talk about sustainability either as a travel operator, as a destination management company, as a destination management uh, organization, a marketing organization, but particularly how travelers themselves can start to talk about uh, travel. So let's take it from the top, Chris, and you can maybe shed light on what sustainability means <laughs> to you. I can, I can maybe shed light on that. Um, let's there are all sorts of things I thought of when you sent that question over, and I think of all the things that are not sustainable, but let's take a simple definition, one that we might be able to get people to agree on. A style of travel is more sustainable if we could keep doing this forever, right? I mean, that's really where the term comes from is you're not going to use up the resource. The, the people involved are not being exploited because if they're exploited, it's not going to go on forever. You know, you're, it's environmentally sound because otherwise it's not going to go on forever. So when we say sustainable, it's we could do this in this fashion forever. And that is the sort of fundamental definition of sustainability we can argue and we will argue <laughs> in the travel space about what makes something more and more sustainable. 
um, you know, I think of things like you can identify some things that are clearly not sustainable. You know, we're going to take all our tourists there. They all get a rifle and they get to shoot a rhino. Okay. Well that that's clearly everybody's going to be on the, the definition there of shooting endangered species is not sustainable, mm-hmm. but you take the same situation and you do an animal that maybe needs culling, you know, but you're still hunting and you're, you've just split the travel community in half there at that point. And, you know, you have to ask all sorts of questions about, well, what happens, you know, to the, is the, the environment better or worse when that happens? How do we really know, you know, uh, is that, where is the money going from this opportunity? Is it going, you know, to some global corporation or is it affecting the local people and making their lives better such that they're more supportable of this effort? You know, all of those questions get into, what makes something sustainable but in general is it is it a good practice so obviously hotels that are have you know less impact on how much water they're taking out of the environment hotels that have less impact in terms of where their energy is coming from those are going to be more sustainable those are practices that are that are good um how sustainable something is you know something is probably not sustainable or not sustainable it's it's probably could we make it better is a better way to think about it. I love that. I love that. And I, I just had to note down that sustainability comes down to if we can do it forever, then it's sustainable. And you mentioned a good point there about culling, uh, which is which is a huge topic. <laughs> jumping, jumping in the deep end of controversy there. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because we 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 had we had a whole huge discussion. In Zimbabwe, we have um, a population, the population size of elephants, for example, is is massive. And they've tried translocations. And again, for some reason, we just continue to have more and more. And they have a big impact on their environment. If you've been someplace, I love elephants, love going Mm -hmm. on safari and seeing elephants. But you can also tell when elephants have been around because they're tearing up trees and things like that. So I understand why farmers... And elephants don't make happy bedfellows. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and it's and then you're really getting into things that are not easy questions. Exactly, exactly. And so I love your de- de- definition there, and it it leads us to go forward and then talk about how best uh, can travel operators, uh, DMCs, your DMOs, how best can they put across the message of sustainability, crafting the message so that it can be easily understood. Uh, What we find a lot in the industry is that there's a lot of jargon um, and a lot of acronyms, you know, that make people sound smart and a lot of these, (laughs) a lot of these rhetorical questions as well uh, that are left unanswered. So how do we make sure that we can craft a message that you know, the average person who travels is able to grasp and understand uh, the message coming from the travel operators. So I think there's two things that I think of. First is actually be sustainable. There's a lot of greenwashing that goes on in general, mm-hmm. and, we, and we know that that's the case. Um, and I am one of those people who thinks that the truth will out, <laughs> that the truth will come out eventually. So it, you, first of all, you do need to look and constantly review your practices. Can we make them, again, more sustainable? Because I don't think sustainable is a true or false thing. I think it's, can we get better? 
and and how can we get better and who are we affecting and how are we affecting the environment and how are we affecting the local economy all those sort of things so, so be more sustainable to start with but then once you have your message i think the i think of the companies that do it well and i think of some of the small group companies for instance that um, i've been on uh, intrepid tours for instance and mm-hmm. one of the things that they do is Every time I've been on the tours, I think with one exception, um, we have been involved with visiting one of the local charities that they have been involved with, you know, that some of the proceeds from your tour go here. And this is what we're trying to do, you know, and that is, you know, you're taking time for your, you're trusting that your visitors will appreciate (laughs) this, right? And there are some visitors who may not, Um, but you're really taking the time to say, this is important to us. And right. you have helped support this, so we want to bring you along, and and see what we are doing with some of your dollars. So I think those sort of messages say two things. One, it's we think it's important, and this is specifically what we're doing. So we're not trying to be sustainable to everybody in every place, but we're trying to help here. And I think the more specific you can get with telling people we're trying to help here that makes messaging clearer. So the other place I can think of that really did a good job with that is I was in uh, Jordan as a guest of the tourism board there. And we went to the uh, Danny Nature Preserve there and stayed in the uh, Fainine Echo Lodge. And the Echo Lodge there is done in partnership with the local uh, Bedouin community. And you drive past the Bedouin tents on your way in. In fact, they were getting set up for a wedding the day that I was there. And your guides are some of the guides are from that Bedouin community. They, they are the locals who are, you know, basically working, not just given jobs by this particular, you know, opportunity, this particular program, but they're also then bringing their culture to the tourists. So, you know, one of the most memorable things I, you know, I've been on a lot of continents. I haven't been to Antarctica yet but I've been all the other continents. I've had a lot of different opportunities to do things, you know, with tourism guides, with tourism uh, destinations, all sorts of things. And one of the most memorable that I had was this opportunity that I went out with Mohammed, who was the young man from the local community. And we went out, hopped on some mountain bikes, rode up the Wadi to a, a, a archeological dig, 6,000 year old archeological dig here in the middle of the desert in Jordan. And he, had stopped by the tents on the way and picked up some flour and salt and, and made me Bedouin uh, bread over the fire and cooked, you know, Bedouin tea and, and showed me some of his culture. And so now not only do I know that they are helping this community, those who put this project in place, but I become more involved and connected to that community. And so it's obvious what they're trying to do and it's obvious who they're trying to help. And it's obvious that those people are not just being helped, but are involved. Um, and then the message, again, the messaging becomes much clearer in that case. And, and talk about r- enriching the experience, right? My experience was better for that partnership. Um, and then, you know, that for me is, uh, and I'm, I'm an American, so I tend to say things like that for me is a home run. <laughs> and I understand baseball analogies don't work elsewhere in the world, but that for me is, is a bullseye. That for me is, is what we're looking for as the best opportunities in, in that sort of sustainable marketing space. 
I mean, that's that's highly impressive to to, to hear, and and I I perfectly understand the home run. I I don't think Bullseye even comes close to, you know, <laughs> making sure that you eliminate the message behind what you were saying. So I totally uh, sort of resonate with that, and I'm getting the sense that they put in the effort during your experience, say in in right. Jordan. Um, or with with Intrepid, did they communicate with you prior to going uh, going yes. away? Yeah, in in both places, they well, a little actually a little more so in the so in the Jordan case. I think the first time I was on an Intrepid tour, and we stopped. It was in China, and we stopped at a um, it was a home for developmentally disabled. Um, who were you know trying to teach skills to developmentally disabled, and that was the local charity that this particular uh, company was dealing with there. And we went and saw a presentation from some of the some of the kids there and things like that. I don't know that I caught that we were going to do that ahead of time. You know, once once you're on your second tour, or your third tour, or your fourth tour, you you know to expect that. Mm -hmm. But uh, but the first time, it's like we're doing we're doing what. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think G Adventures, that's another small group travel things, has mm. has done perhaps a better job of articulating that in some of their marketing messages of this is who we are and we and this is what we do um, than than in my experience Intrepid had been on that particular thing. So um, I think when you're doing it well, you can incorporate that in, and I've seen it done, but you know not necessarily the that particular company could do it better. I think. Right, and we can all do things better. So that you know, that's Absol that's not absolutely a, not at I mean, all a critique, but oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, de definitely because it's one of those things that you find right now. I know, you know, for for our company, we bring people to Zimbabwe, and right. one of the things that we're able to do right was ensure that we were. Uh, implementing the sustainability practices, but we're very poor at the beginning on how we communicate that. Right. Sure. So I, I can I can definitely understand um, how it would be a light bulb moment, and where somebody then says, "Oh, you you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing that," and oh my God, why aren't you speaking louder about it? Right. But right. I think you know, for for <laughs> for us, it it came as a secondary thing. It wasn't until you know a few years in that. Um, we realize that, oh, maybe we should be talking about this. We thought we were doing what we were supposed to be. It's like hiring right. local guides. Uh, it, didn't, right. it, it didn't hit us that, you know, it's something that you need to put front and center that you hire local guides it, because it's supposed to be the thing and that I, you're doing. I think that part of that is you need to bring an understanding of to the, to the consumer of what the local challenges are. And for instance, Zimbabwe, unemployment, you know, mm -hmm. it, it would be way up there on the list, not just because there's such an incredibly high unemployment rate in the country, but also because all of the negative impacts on, you know, the environment that can happen if somebody doesn't have a job and they have to make a living, you know, they may be forced into other things that we don't want them to be doing, right? <laughs> uh, so, you know, some some poachers and things like that, for instance, I can see, you know, mm -hmm. that might be interested in doing something else if they had other opportunities. I don't know if that's the case, but the more that I understand what the challenges are in this region, whether they're environmental, you know, we, we have a shortage of water here. And so therefore, this is why we've done these things. Or, you know, our unemployment rate is really high. And that is why, you know, we we are making sure that we are not 
you know, that we're not just sending the money elsewhere, but we're trying to be part of that solution is very important. I think when I was in Zimbabwe last, uh, I guess I've only been in Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe once. So I was also when I was in Zimbabwe the first, um, we, you know, we were on a, a cross African um, road trip from Johannesburg up to Vic Falls. And, you know, when we were in, Oh, I think we were down in one of the national parks in South Africa and there were vendors there and such. And our guides were very important, you know, very important to them to say, you, you're going to find some great crafts here. You know, if you see something you like, go ahead and buy it. But if you can, you should wait till we get to Victoria Falls because you're going to really love the crafts and they can really use the money. <laughs> you know, right. here's the situation on the ground here and here's the unemployment rate and things like that. And so the more that people are informed during or before the trip of here's the challenge and here's how we're trying to address it. I think the more that they can get on board with that, that I would like to help do that. You know, I, I now know that my dollars going to that country are helping solve this problem. Right. And is that important to a traveler? Do you reckon? Some not. Some not at all. Um, I, I wish that was not the case. <laughs> it is. It is one of my goals to make it, to make the percentage of people who find it important be higher. Um, what we're seeing demographically is that it's more important to the younger travelers. It's more important to the millennials, for instance, than it was potentially to the boomers. There, at least in my country, at least in the U.S. Um, that cause-based marketing is in general more effective. And we see things here, you know, outside of the travel space, even where companies are saying, you should use our toothpaste because this is what we're doing, you know, with the proceeds <laughs> from your, from your toothpaste. I think Tom's, you know, or, or, you know, you should yeah. buy our shoes or mm-hmm. our socks because when you buy our socks, we give a pair of socks to, you know, somebody who is homeless. Um, and so the reason why they are doing those sorts of things is one, they're actually trying to help. I, I think that they're, they're not just, you know, doing that for marketing purposes, that, that the people who founded those companies really are trying to make a difference. But the reason why they're publicizing it is it helps. It helps their sales. It helps, you know, solve this problem. So increasingly, I see the younger generation being aware of those sorts of things, and it will be more important to them than to some of the older um, travelers, at least generationally, that's what we're seeing. But, uh, you know, a lot of the people who are travel, well, it depends a little bit on what style of travel. For instance, Mm -hmm. where you are in Zimbabwe, the kind of person you're going to get, it's going to tend to be a higher percentage of them that care, right? Because, you know, once you've gone on safari, for instance, it, it is... I think a lot of people, my wife, for instance, when we, I, I drag her on safari, <laughs> she doesn't like to camp. She doesn't, you know, you're going, we're, we're going on a trip where we're going to be setting up our own tent, you know, at night. Uh, it was a, you know, not a high end safari where we had somebody doing that for us and such. Mm-hmm. She went on that trip thinking that this was going to be a once in a lifetime thing. Right. Right. She ended that trip saying, well, next time we come back. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, I, I think I might do it a little differently. Maybe we'd spend some nights in lodges and do some camping at, you know, but, but, you know, it, it can, Africa can get under your skin. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and the people though, that, that have that positive experience, it usually involves in the people and the animals. Um, I, you know, I used to say with Tanzania, you go for the animals and you come back for the people. And I feel that way of a lot of sub-Saharan Africa, mm-hmm. but 
anybody who is going because they're interested in wildlife is going to tend to be someone who is more amenable to, well, what are we doing and how is that helping at least the wildlife, right? Correct. Because I want my kids to be able to have this experience, this or better. Right, right, right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, it is about reinforcing that, that message and then yeah. living it once somebody is in destination. I think outside of, you know, sub sub-Saharan African travel, for instance, yeah. there are places where that is a diffi more difficult conversation, where it is not as high on the list of people's checklists. Cruise travel, for instance, I think right. it, it, is in a, it is a consideration, but price is still really, really high up there. Right. And so if you tell somebody we've got this grand new cruise ship and it's, it's uh, liquefied natural gas, which are, you know, coming out, people are doing that and, and they're trying to do that for good reasons. That is probably not as big in that industry, right. a message as we've got a two for one sale, <laughs> which is, which is true in general. But I think that there just is a little less sensitivity in that for that consumer as there is another thing. And I'd like to see it get higher and I think it can get higher, but, um, but you know, you're in a space where there really is a high sensitivity to those issues to begin with. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And the cruise, the cruise industry, I suppose those are the boomers as well. And, and so it, it follows tend to be with, right now, yeah, uh, tend to be, tend to be, and not so much your student and, and youth travel. Uh, it depends. It depends on the cruise line. It depends on the destination and things like that. Uh, party mm -hmm. cruise and something like that is, is going to be <laughs> younger, but it, it might be more of a uh, less focused on the environment and more focused on the, you know, uh, the booze. <laughs> <laughs> call call it a booze cruise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, for instance, if you get into the expedition cruise, you know, the small ship cruises to the Galapagos, which I, you know, had the opportunity to do, for instance, a month ago, you know, mm -hmm. then you're in the same demographic of the, the safari people, the people who are there for the wildlife there, you know, what are we, how is this affect the environment is, is up there on the list? You know, right. Am I making a positive influence? Right, right. And so when it comes now to the actual traveler, yeah, and I talked earlier about the condescending tone, the shaming. Um, <laughs> there never yes. seems to be a neutral uh, conversation about sustainability. No. You know, <laughs> let's 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 walk through your thoughts on how travelers can can talk about this issue of of sustainability. Whether it's before they travel, it's it's while they're traveling, and perhaps after they travel as well. So you can have positive influences on other people and you can have those conversations. I think the best way that we try to do, for instance, on the amateur traveler podcast is we try and focus on here's what the problem is. Here's what this mode of travel is like. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're not doing. So for instance, uh, you know, when we talk about Thailand, um, I, you know, right up there with people that we won't be talking about going to the, the elephant, show where the elephant is performing the tricks because mm -hmm. if you're if you're at all sensitive to you know animal uh welfare and you've seen how these elephants have been trained with sharp pointy sticks you know and and starved and things like that it's just not something that i can support um 
and so you know you can have those conversations but i think the better way to have them is this is why we travel this way and this is you know the the choices we've made and how we think we're making a more positive uh influence and but it doesn't mean we're going to agree for instance right. you know you mentioned if i fly to africa um and you know right away if mm-hmm. if your sensitivity is to global warming and i took a flight we you know we may i may already be <laughs> in trouble here uh, you know, granted, I, I left my office, uh, which I work from home in a solar powered uh, building. So I try to have, you know, some positive impact of the environment when I'm home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do get on planes. You right. know, I, I get on trains when I can, but the train to Africa is really rough. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <Very> damp. <laughs> right. From here. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that's 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 one thing of um, of concern that you know there are some logistical yeah, challenges that 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 exist that just renders some mode of transport or accommodation preferences or food right. preferences just render them just out of the question. Um, and yeah. and so, I and yeah. I can respect that too. I mean, I I think that there's valid reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we won't all agree on, you know, what where my what my things I do and won't do are. We can right. talk about them, why I do and don't do them, mm-hmm. but we won't all agree. Right. And and I think we that's the diversity that we should all right. embrace it at some point. And, and, you know, a point comes when we should, you know, just agree to disagree, I think, um, on, on some issues. Um, while on others, you know, they, they are, as you said at the beginning there, that are very clear cut that if you shoot all the rhinos, they're going to be, you know, to be extinct. Um, well, and we, and we are, and they will. Exactly. Uh, is, is where we really are right now. So, um, exactly. and so, exactly. you know, when you look at that too, one of the things that we can see in sub-Saharan Africa is that one of the best tools in our arsenal to pretend to protect them is tourism right, is that the local population is incented to protect them. Um, You know, that is not necessarily sufficient by itself because we are, you know, currently losing that war. Um, But it is, I think, an important part of any conservation effort is that if the local, you know, if you have that problem with the local farmer and the elephant um, and you can make it so that the local farmer benefits from the fact that there are the elephants, you're going to have a better environment for sustainable tourism, obviously. Absolutely. And we have one of those uh, human wildlife conflict programs um, that we're currently running as well, whereby we realize that one of the things that they, the reasons why they would poach impalas, um, small antelopes, Is precisely for for meat, so it's it's, yeah, it's not right. for, for any other any other reason. So right. what what you ought to do, and you know, in an area like Kariba, which is along the Zambezi uh, mm-hmm. Zambezi River, you know, fishing and 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 game because it's a really dry and hot um, right. area. So th- those are the things that they live off of. So one of the things that you need to do in order to make sure that there is no human wildlife conflict or there's reduced is to ensure that you empower them and capacitate them through conservation farming. And so right. part of what we do as well is to say, you know, 15% of 
the revenue we get goes over to to that program so that they mm -hmm. start their conservation farming uh, organic farming and what has that resulted into is also they're not cutting as many trees so the right. boundaries that the more you, that the exist, more options yeah. you give people that are sustainable <laughs> the more they don't have to choose options that aren't. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you know, while we're on on this, one of the contentious issues is, you know, the cliche photo of uh, mostly uh, a white European or, or American girl who has an African child, you know, that's, that's the photo that you get. And obviously, we talk about it's a no-no on, on any of our programs and experiences in, in Zimbabwe. And I'm pointing that out as one of the ways that we, we say is not good um, when it comes to sustainability. And that's not a message that we now, want. Are you talking about the, I take, I give the, the child uh, a dollar and then take my picture with them and therefore I give them an incentive not to be in school. <laughs> you know it, yeah. you know yeah. it. And so we use that. Because if we're example. just talking about taking your pictures with kids, I, I, I haven't violated that since last week. <laughs> <laughs> But in my defense, I was doing it as I was showing a picture of me in a school full of kids. And we were talking about when you go to Africa, you know, working with nonprofits that help um, in terms of school supplies and things like that, because mm -hmm. sometimes the schools need. But yeah, nonprofits in general don't have a perfect record either. Right. Um, you know, we've seen the nonprofits that help in ways that sound good. Like I, we're going to bring lots of Africa, lots of food to Africa to help the starving people. Okay. But what about the local farmer? You know, isn't there a way that we can, you know, right. support the local farmer to feed the local people? Because that's where we need to be in the long term, exactly. wherever, whatever region we are in the country. So even those solutions that are meant to be good sometimes have mixed or unexpected consequences. And right. yeah, like the, the the giving the giving the money to the begging child is a is a natural tendency, and the only way to fight that is for people to understand. Right? right, you need to know that you know. I think of when I was in Tanzania, for instance, and we talked about you know someone who um, they were in a car accident and a, and a child was injured, not seriously, fortunately. And they talked about, you know, they gave the the parent cha, cha money, uh, chai money rather, uh, okay. you know, money for tea. So you don't give them enough money that they're incented to have their kids play in traffic so they get injured because that would be very bad. Right. <laughs> but there was this mechanism in that local economy where there was uh, a, a recognition of I was I, I was wrong and I'm sorry without getting you the incentive for, you know, doing the wrong thing with your kids. And it was, you know, it's, it's complicated. Right. And right. You can't know those issues without more exposure to the culture, without more exposure, you know, the local guides are just the best resource for that. Aren't they? Absolutely. Um, because how can you understand what's going on in a community if you don't have someone who a speaks the language, but also mm -hmm. be just, really knows what it's like to live there. Um, and they're the highlight of any trip that I've done anyway, <laughs> for, you know, for so many reasons. So, but, you know, that's really your lens into a local culture 
is you're going to retain the information you learned from that local guide. Right, right. And so, Chris, what are some of the recommendations you have for travelers on how they can communicate about the way they travel, uh, particularly if they are sustainable travelers? Um, so we, you know, somewhat is travelers are going to communicate about their travels anyway, right? Of, we, of course, <laughs> of course. You, you don't go someplace, <laughs> you don't go someplace and say, I, you know, uh, oh yes, I was in, I was on safari and uh, whatever, but yeah, I don't like to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It doesn't but, tend to happen. You know, the more, the more tools they have for being conversant, mm-hmm. you know, the more that it can work into that conversation of, we really, really had a wonderful trip to, you know, Galapagos and it was interesting to us what they're doing to restore the natural habitat there in these programs they have, you know, or it was interesting, you know, the, the school program that we were exposed to when we were in uh, Tanzania and, you know, what this uh, charity is doing for um, making sure that kids who don't have the money have school uniforms so that they can go to school because school is free, but you can't go without a uniform. You know, it's, it's right. those sort of things that need to work into the conversation. But I think they tend to fairly naturally. Um, right. they, what works into the conversation is experiences that were impactful. Mm-hmm. And so I think of, for instance, um, so I do a trips with listeners of the Amateur Traveler when we're not in pandemic years. Right. <laughs> and um, I took a group, to, a group to Cambodia. And we had a, um, an official, you know, here's, we, we did that one with Intrepid, which is why, I, you know, bring them up. We've used them a few different times. Right. And we had an official, you know, we're going to this place because Intrepid supports it, whatever. But um, we also, our guide um, grew up in the northern regions of Cambodia, and he's been trying to help out in a particular village. And so he took a number of the different people who were on the trip to this village to look at a project where they were digging a well there. And, and um, some of the people on the trip supported it, which is great. But when I did a, um, an episode with listeners of the show who had gone with me and said, you know, what were the you know, the interesting experiences or what stood out for you, you know, when we were in Siem Reap, which is a world-class, you know, destination, Siem Reap and, you know, the Angkor Wat temples and things like that are a must-see, should be on your list. And a number of the guests said, you know, it was that, it was that village visit. Mm -hmm. And so they were saying of all the things we did, you know, riding the bamboo train and doing the the rickshaw ride and in Phnom Penh and going to these amazing, you know, thousand year old temples, that visit to the village was the most touching for me. And it was because it was personal. Right. Right. They, they, you know, their son played with the kid, played with the local kids. They, they brought soccer balls and, you know, it was, it was different. It was memorable and it was impactful for them and for that community. And when you can set up those experiences, people talk about them. Right. It's just, you can't help but talk about the things that impacted you. And if people aren't talking about it, you need to re you need to relook at what it is you're doing. <laughs> so am I getting the sense here that we go back to the marketing formula of word of mouth being the best form of marketing as your recommendation for how Word of mouth travelers, is yeah. the most authentic form of, of marketing. And I think it's, if you don't have that, if you can't get that, 
then your message probably won't play with however else you're going to market it. But you know, it ought to be there in your brochure. It ought to be there on your website, right? It ought to be there in your email newsletters. Um, it, you know, it ought to be in other places as well. Uh, so it's not, I'm not saying word of mouth and nothing else. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but the word of mouth, see, the other thing too is that's also your PR campaign, right? right. Mm-hmm. If something is notable and memorable to the people who did the trip, then that is also a hook that you can use for PR, right? This is, this is what we're doing and this is why people are being impacted by that decision, mm-hmm. right? And if you're trying to do PR for something that is not impactful, <laughs> That's that's the that's the press release that I get. That's you know Bob is now the head of marketing. It's like who the hell cares? <laughs> I don't know Bob, and I don't care who this who's the head of your marketing, right? <laughs> On the other hand, you know the we're doing this new effort, and mm-hmm. this is why we're doing it, and this is the impact of it. Right. You know, the more impactful and the more memorable it is, the more useful it will be for PR, also. Right. Right. And well, that's so, always where I start with, uh-huh. you want to be, you know, doing things for sustainability, actually making a difference, right. because then you've got something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we see people who just try to talk about it anyway. And, you know, it's not, exactly. as, not as effective. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And also hammer back into the traveler. And of yep. course, you know, sticking with what you said in terms of if you are not, you know, doing anything impactful. Um, if, if you are not providing that experience, then of course the traveler has very little or nothing to say, um, right. if not if not negative, that is. Uh, and yes. so once they do have, <laughs> if a traveler has something positive or negative to say, how should they approach talking about it? Because one of the things that I know for sure is when I travel as, as a solo traveler, you know, you can only tell that elephant story so many times before people start no you just need a new audience (laughs) (laughs) my grandfather used to say that nothing beat an old joke in a new crowd and and as a podcaster i i absolutely you know agree that an an old familiar story that you have practiced telling Mm -hmm. you know that is your those are your best stories when you're in a new crowd you know Uh you, you pull out those stories i pulled out some travel stories just this week, because we met a, a friend at a restaurant and, and she said, you know, where should I go? And we have to, my daughter wants to trip fly less than 12 years, you know, 12, mm-hmm. 12 years, less than 12 hours away uh, from home for this particular break. And mm-hmm. I started pulling out travel stories that she hadn't heard. So, you know, you just, uh-huh. if you hang around <laughs> the same people all the time, you know, your wife gets tired of the stories. Absolutely. <laughs> but you just have to get her to tell the story too. So, right. um, so that is, you know, that's really not the big problem. Uh-huh. Um, and, w- and when we talk about, you know, word of mouth, remember that word of mouth and influencer marketing and, you know, travel bloggers and travel podcasters like me and stuff like that, that's just an extension of that. That's just really getting your word of mouth into somebody who people are listening to that mouth right. <laughs> or watching those videos or, you know, exactly. whatever. It's, it's all part of the same process of you either have a story or you don't. And if you do have a story that's worth amplifying, you can do it also through people who have an audience, whether that be mainstream journalists or whether that be influencers or, or bloggers or podcasters or whatever, you know, when you have a story, then you, then you've got a story, then you have, then you have to figure out what do you do with that story? Because people won't necessarily hear about it unless you tell it. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And are there examples where you've seen either through friends, family, um, where you've seen, let's call it user-generated content, where travelers are just talking about their own travels, where sure. you've seen and said, goodness me, I want to go there next. Sure. Uh, I'm trying to come up with a good experience, but I, you know, I've had so many. So I, just, I do an amateur, uh, amateur travel podcast, right? Yeah. And it's 16 years old in two weeks, uh, just so you know. Oh, yeah. And Congrats. The, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And <laughs> the reason it got started was exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was a podcast listener, um, six, well, say, clearly 16 years ago, <laughs> 16 and a <laughs> half years ago, I started listening to podcasts. And I thought I need to do my own podcast. And I thought about doing a religious podcast. And I actually do one of those. I thought about doing a tech podcast because I'm a, you know, Silicon Valley tech geek in my day job. And, and then we had people over for a picnic, uh, Memorial Day, which is the, the kickoff for the unofficial kickoff of uh, summer travel or summer holidays in, in uh, the U.S. is the last weekend in May. And 16 years ago, we had a bunch of friends over and in the backyard and all the best stories were travel stories. All right. Everybody was just swapping with, oh yeah, and we did here and we went there. And after that, I went, I've got to do a travel podcast the, because some of the most interesting stories, the stories that take you out of your normal and expose you to something new and interesting and different. So many of those are travel stories. So right. it, it literally is the formation of my show. <laughs> <laughs> That's now, fantastic. What I'm doing is I'm trying to multiply that basically of bringing people on who love someplace. And, you know, sometimes that's me because somebody had me over, you know, to their safari or, or whatever. But oh, quite often, most of the time, it's somebody else who loves that place so that other people can hear why they fell in love with that place. Right. Right. And hopefully we're talking about doing that in a sustainable fashion. And, you know, occasionally I have yeah. to jump into my, my guests and say, well, you know, I'm not sure I would do that, but usually not. Usually yeah. Not. You know, one of the things that I have to look out for, for myself, particularly when talking about travel is often trying to avoid to be an activist because I don't want to be that guy where if people are around a braai, as we call it, a barbecue, as you guys <laughs> call it, when you arrive, everybody sort of just disappears because you're that guy who is going to be cautioning um, everyone about every, every little thing uh, on how they travel. So I have to constantly See, remind myself to say but, less. But I am, I am that guy. <laughs> <laughs> But that's not what I'm talking about, right? Uh -huh. I'm not talking about why you shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. I'm the guy who usually, you know, we started this conversation at a restaurant earlier in the week because somebody wanted to go someplace and they said, well, Chris, you would know, right? Uh -huh. Where should I go? Right. And so as I started talking about travel, um, you know, with a limit of, okay, you want, don't want to fly that far. We started talking, for instance, about the Yucatan because we said, well, what do you like? Well, we say we like wildlife and we like... Um, and, and we like history. Right. And so I threw out two opportunities that are uh, just down in Mexico, close to us. One was, you know, swimming with whales in, in, uh, in uh, the Sea of Cortez, you know, this wildlife experience that we had been on, this wonderful experience and, you know, what, why it was wonderful. And then we started talking about the Yucatan and I said, you know, you can fly into Cancun, but don't stay there. Because, you know, that's, that's a, a resort full of Americans. Like, why would you, why would you want to stay there, right? Uh, 
And what I'm really saying is you're going to have a better experience if you do something more sustainable that's connecting you more to locals. So right. what I want you to do is not stay in the American only, you know, filled resort. I want you to go over to Merida and I want you to be there on a Sunday when the people are dancing in the square and eating the $1 street tacos, because if you do that, you're going to thank me. Right. Right. You're going right. to have a better experience, connect with the culture in a sustainable fashion, you know, but I didn't use any of those words. Right. I just right. said, you'll have a better vacation if you do it this way. And right. let me tell you about the vacation you could have. You can then go down, you know, sure, go to Tulum and, and Chichen Itza, but they're, they're over-touristed. They're going to be packed with people. I want you to drive an hour further and go to Koba, where I found myself at 9 o'clock in the morning standing on top of a Mayan temple by myself. Absolutely. Right? So I didn't say, I'm selling you sustainability. What I told you is I've got a better way for you to vacation where you're going to have an amazing experience. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I think the message of this is if you want to talk about your travel and your travel stories, just talk like Chris and that's it. I have to say thank you very much for coming on today, Chris. It's You're very welcome. a pleasure. I loved your definition of sustainability. As long as we can do it forever, it will be sustainable. And of course, we can argue and agree about different things, but we can definitely agree on that. Thanks very much, Chris. Until next time. You've been listening to The Hive from Tejas of Sustainable Travel. I hope this episode has inspired you to seek or to continue to explore travel with purpose. Join our community on social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. And please do subscribe so that you can receive notifications each time we have a new episode. Tatenda, thank you.